Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, your Shed Adamus, and you can say this, Shedheads. I have been your Shed Adamus for the last three weeks. Of this incredible endeavor we call Outside the Sheds, this, this time when we can come together and bond in our love and our exuberance and our passion for the games of Rugby League and Aussie Rules Football. Now, Shedheads, you know my excitement that I had going into last round with it being Magic Round and me reliving my stories of, of grandeur as I went off to the Auckland Nines. But I've got to tell you something. Besides a little bit of a punch-up in the crowd that happened, and that's what happens sometimes when you mix guys with a bunch of different jerseys on and a few beverages and a couple idiots thrown into the equation, you get stuff like that. But besides that, it is a festival. I thank God didn't have to see anything like that when I was over at the Auckland Nines. But Magic Round produced over 130,000 people for the weekend uh, from all across the country, all across the world. Um, New Zealand, there was a lot of people that came in for it. And I'm going to tell you something, someday your Shed Adamas will be there for Magic Round. But it was a great round. It, it, it had a lot that came out of it, I guess we could say, right, Shedheads? But um, let's go into these scores as we go into the 40-20. And then we've got a lot of stuff to get in depth about uh, to recap all of this. First off, probably... The match that kind of set the foundation for a lot of the talk in the rugby league world started everything off. Night 16, Bulldog 6, another bad performance from the boys from Belmore, leading to whatever you want to say. Gus's intervention uh, at the top, the board, um, the alleged Trent Barrett, I'm resigning, whatever it is. That match of futility by the Bulldogs led to all of this. And we're going to really, as you can guess, go into this soon. Broncos 38, Sea Eagles nothing. The Broncos defending home turf. The Broncos showing that they want Suncorp to be something magical again. Um, it, it was something really, really uh, cool to see. Uh, and I've got to admit, you know, I don't know. I don't know what my expectations were of Adam Reynolds joining the Brisbane Broncos. I'm, I'm seeing him for years with South Sydney, but he seems like a different player. And he just seems like a guy that's playing footy for fun instead of a guy that feels like he's kind of got the weight of the world on his shoulders, which is crazy because because Brisbane's a pressure cooker. I'm saying it's cracked quite a few people. You know, ask Anthony Seabold if people get cracked up in Brisbane. So um, I, it's it's really good to see the little general really living up to the expectation. I I'd have to say he's above expectation right now, and the Broncos are farther ahead than anybody could see. And I just got to say, congratulations to Kevy for that because he's deserved this. Rabbitohs thirty two, Warriors thirty. Bunnies get out to a huge lead. Look like they're gonna run away with it. And then once again, uh, those yo-yoing New Zealand Warriors get right back into the fight, and you almost have to say if there was another five minutes left in that game that the Warriors might actually go over the top of the Rabbitohs. I think this has a lot to say about both clubs. I think this, to me, shows that the Rabbitohs are kind of in trouble. Uh, I don't want to say that their season is over by any means after a victory, but I will say that they, they've got a lot of work to do. And I know they don't have Latrell right now, and I know they lost their captain last week, but they do not seem, you know, the best player on the on the field was Cody Walker after he was given the captain band uh, armband, and he looked like he played his 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 best game of the season. Uh, I don't think that means you give it to him. Maybe he becomes a co-captain from this point going forward. But there's still something not right about South Sydney. I'm saying they they really almost let the Warriors come back over the top of them, and then the Warriors. How do you put together that first half performance that they did and then and then come out and look like they you probably I, I don't know should have been the team to win the match almost towards the end? 
And and we've got to see more from Sean Johnson. I know we've been talking about this for two weeks now, but you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about the guy that I I watched come into the game and, and dominated and, and was a Golden Boot winner. But uh, he's got to attack the line more. But that being said, they still come up two points short, and the Bunnies get the victory. Titans twenty, Dragon sixteen. Jaden Campbell's return sparking. Uh, the Titans, the boys from the Gold Coast, in a victory over the Dragons. Um, really a, a, a good match. Another Golden Point performance. I, 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 it was funny because when Golden Point started, both teams looked like they had no idea how to win the match. And when was the last time we saw a try win a Golden Point match, right? But um, I really have to say, and we're going to talk about him in, in a little bit more detail, but, uh, you know, Jaden Campbell and that in the position of fullback now is so key to teams. And I think that that shows that the next match when the Panthers destroy the Storm 32 to 6, Pappenhausen is so key to the Storm. And then if you take Jerome Hughes out of that, you're in, you're in trouble. And we saw that. You know, it's not that it's not that the Panthers didn't play a, a really good match. It, it's just that those two players are so key for 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 the Melbourne Storm and Cameron Munster and, and let me tell you something and I want to stop really quick really quick right now shedheads I don't know what's going on with the bunker I don't know what's going on with the high contact that they're trying to say this policing this is what happens police can't even police right now in a lot of areas of this world but what I'm trying to say is all of us saw Harry Grant take a high shot early in that match he came reeling out of the tackle and kind of fought to get back into the line, right? How how does an outside doctor not buzz down to get Harry Grant off the field for an HIA? I, I, I don't I don't understand it. And when you still have situations like this that are occurring in the game, it is a it is a it is a broken system. And I don't know what they have to do. Because they want to be so protecting in some areas. But we all saw Harry Grant. And then I just, I listened to NRL 360, not giving anybody a plug. But I listened to Cooper Cronk even say that Harry Grant wasn't right for the rest of the match. That he came out a little wobbly out of a tackle. Little wobbly means it's an HIA. Little wobbly means head contact. And why are you not letting, bringing this guy off the field? You're not bringing that guy off the field because you knew that there was no way on this planet that the Melbourne Storm could come over the top of the Penny Panthers without Pappenhausen, Hughes, and Grant. And unfortunately, it kind of smells that that was a situation that they left the young guy out on the field because of, I don't know what, I don't know what I want to say, ratings or numbers, but you just knew that it was a dead point. And that really bothers me. That bothers me a lot, Shedheads. That bothers me a lot. So... Uh, I, I really want to stand up on a soapbox when I talk about that. We all saw that, and I'm not even a doctor. I may know one quite well, but I'm not. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Raiders 30, Sharks 10, eight straight victories from the Green Machine over the Sharkies. I have to admit, Shedheads, uh, that caught me off guard. You know, I don't know why, because I'm a big hoodoo guy. I'm a big guy of, you know, for some reason a team's got something over another team. But I just did not see that happening. When I hear a lot of people talk about it who said the same, I don't feel as bad. But, man, that's the type of victory that can get a team springing. That's the type of victory that can get a team starting to believe again and get them going in the right direction. So I'm very, very curious to see what this does going forward for the Green Machine. But congratulations to Ricky and the boys on a big victory. Roosters 31, Eels 24, the yo-yoing Eels, I, I don't know. Uh, Brad Arthur was talking about how he is worried and concerned about his team up and down play. And you can't have a team be a top four club that doesn't get the victories and they need to get victories. Now, I'm not saying that about this round, about them losing to the Roosters, because I think, you know, you, you remember, I picked the Roosters to win it all at the end of the season. But... They just You just don't know what Paramount team is going to show up week in and week out. They put on the performance they did two weeks ago by beating the Penrith Panthers, and then they come out and they don't play a horrible match against the Chooks, 
but they didn't play the same match they did against the Panthers. And I don't know if you want to say that was a letdown from the Battle of the West. I don't know if you want to say that that was a hangover of that or some sort. But what I will tell you is they will not win anything being erratic like they are. And Brad Arthur knows that. And if those team, if those team members don't know that, they're in trouble. Because your Penrith Panthers, your Melbourne Storm, your, 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 your Sydney Roosters, uh, and, and I'm going to say this right now, your North Queensland Cowboys, these are teams right now that will put you to the sword when they get a chance. And the Eels don't seem like they have that in them for whatever reason, week in and week out. And then finally, the team that I just mentioned, the NQL, North Queensland Cowboys 36, the Tigers 12. Again, to me, a match that showed that the Cows are title contenders. To me, a match that I am excited to see that now these next few weeks, we're going to see North Queensland take that fun brand of footy and put it up against teams that a lot of people think are going to be there right at the end. And right now, I think if you, I think right now everybody has their team, right? Everybody has a team they really root for, and I think everybody's second team is the Cowboys right now because they play some fun footy. They are to me one of the most entertaining teams to watch week in and week out, and it blows my mind compared to where they were just at. I'm saying there was rumblings going into this season that Todd Payton was already under the on the hot seat, okay? And I told you when he got the job, I was a huge Todd Payton fan, and. And I was almost getting a little bit, I was listening to the pundits. I was listening to the voices saying that, I don't know, mate, if he can. Listen, Todd Payton's a hell of a coach, and he's showing that right now. He beat the heck out of those kids, and they're not kids, but those players in the preseason, and it's all coming to fruition right now. And it's awesome to see. Uh, I'm so happy for Toddy that he's getting that going, and, 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 I, and I really think, Oh, man, I can't tell you how excited I am to see how they go on strike against these these big teams in the next few weeks. Now, those are the scores. Let's go into the, uh, let's go into, how should I say, the, what, what would you say, the, the, the aftermath of some of these scores. And, again, I said after another dreadful performance, the boys from Belmore, uh, the, the losses that have accrued since... Uh, Gus came down out of the box, whipped them all into shape at practice, uh, spit a little bit of rage and vinegar in some people's faces. The axe came down because all of a sudden, late in Magic Round, some words started coming down that there was going to be a special meeting called by the board that they needed to talk about some, uh, some situations. Well, that rumbling led into the writing on the wall being that Trent Barrett was on his way out. A lot of people felt that Trent Barrett was on his way out when Gus took over that practice, even though Barrett said that he gave full, you know, gave his, you know, he handed his, how did he say that? I handed my whistle to Gus. Well, it looks like he might have just handed his, his keys to the front door to Gus too now because Trent Barrett is gone. And no matter what you want to believe, if you want to believe that Gus was the one that uh, pushed him out or if you want to believe that Trent Barrett really resigned. Uh, Trent Barrett's been a player for a long time in the NRL. He's got a lot of people's respect. Uh, I will tell you this right now. Trent Barrett did not resign. He's not the type of guy that's going to quit. He's not a quitter, and that's not what he did. But I will say that they strong-armed him out and said that we'll give you the chance to either resign or get or get the hacks. And, and, and most people will, will say that they resign because it gives you a chance to look better down the track. And that's crazy because everyone knows the guy didn't resign. He got pushed out the door. They said they were done with him. But there's some really crazy numbers about that go along with Trent Barrett. Trent Barrett was 5-29 and 29 at, his, at the head of the Bulldogs. 5-29. and 29. And you remember how proud of a club that Canterbury is, right? They're a proud, proud, proud club. And, 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 and I know the fans of that club have really been suffering um, because you know they they just played they played in two grand finals in the in the in the 2010s. So you know that they really 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 are having a tough time right now, and that's understandable, right? But then you look back at his record when he was at Manly, and he was 29 and 44 at Manly. So here's what I'm saying: 
Cameron Seraldo for the for for the Penrith Panthers right now is the hot coach, right? Everyone's talking about him take being over the next. You know, there was talk about him taking over the Tigers for Madge McGuire, right? There's all this 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 talk about Cameron Seraldo, Cameron Seraldo, Cameron Seraldo. Okay, Cameron Seraldo's a heck of a coach. All right, we know this now, right? We're done with that. But what I want to say is the thing about Cameron Seraldo is just like Fitzgibbon from the Sharks, they are going to be smart about this and they are not going to just jump into any type of job. Just because something opens up doesn't mean you just have to accept that. All right? Before Gus even took over with the Bulldogs, we've all seen the clip now of him saying that that Trent Barrett might want to think twice about taking the Bulldogs job because there's a lot of trouble there and it could be problems for him down the track. You can't you can't join a club that's got problems when you already come into that gig with a 29-44 record. You just can't do that. Because you have to win then. You have to win because you're already coming into it as, I don't want to say this is a loser, but you have a losing record as a head coach. And now with you add on top of that, the guys that combined now 34-73 and 73 as a head coach in the NRL. I'm going to tell you this right now. He will not coach in the NRL again until he goes to England, coaches a Super League side, that goes and plays for the title over there or wins it. And then maybe he'll get a shot back in the NRL again. But he's not going to get a head coaching job again. And, and I'm going to say this. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe I said this a few weeks ago. And, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to defame the guy or talk down to him. I think that Trent Barrett is a great assistant coach. I think he might be the coach you bring in for your halves. I think he might be a coach that you bring in to work on your spine. Maybe your offense. But to me, I don't know if he's a head coach. And I watch his mannerisms when he's in the box. I watch his his reactions to things. And it and it might have been just, and I was going to say it might have just been when he was at Belmore. But if I remember watching him when he was at Manly, he had that same kind of disposition. And it wasn't a disposition of overly confident or anything like that. It's just that he seems like the guy, if he can't control it by playing himself, it's tough for him to sit back and just watch other people try to implement what he's trying to do. And that's totally fine. But it's not totally fine if you're a head coach. So that is something that I'm I'm curious about. I mean, I'm really, I don't know if that's his where his calling should be. Now, going forward, it looks like Mick Potter is being brought in to take over for the for the club as the interim head coach. Uh, Gus, by every means, said that he is not going to take over that job, and I think all of us knew that. But I think besides Mick Potter coming in, and we remember the great record Mick Potter had with the West Tigers. Okay, well, let's try to forget that. But, you know, now the names start coming up of who's going to take over for, you know, from now on. Now, Mick Potter's hoping he comes in and wins out the rest of the season and becomes the dog's head coach. But, you know, there's talk about, you know, Flanagan, you know, Flanagan coming in, Shane Flanagan. Uh, and, and coaching his son and blah, 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 that he's got a good record. There's been rumblings now about Freddie Fittler, Brad Fittler coming in and maybe being the head coach because they said that he probably has the best relationship of everybody with Gus. I don't know if any of us, if any of us know what the future holds, but I will tell you, we better start looking at the present because there's going to be a huge fallout from this, from this shift. And the huge fallout is a lot of players have come to Belmore because of Trent Barrett. Because they believe in Trent Barrett. And a lot of these guys, they, they, they've all stood up on their soapboxes themselves and talked about how great of a guy Trent Barrett is and, and that he's a brilliant man and on and on and on. But for some reason, this brilliant man couldn't get them to play their best. And if you can't get your players to play their, pay their best, I don't care how nice of a guy you are. It doesn't matter how nice of a guy you are. So we've already got fallout because Brent Naden has already been released by the club and is already signed on with the West Tigers, who play the Bulldogs this week. So there's a chance we may see Brent Naden in a week switch sides and play against his former side. And how the Tigers are going, they better play him. And we won't even go into what's going on at, at, at for the Tigers right now. But that is already the first domino to fall in the possible exodus out of Belmore. But you look at who we've got right now that have come there because of him. Matt Burton. 
Matt Burton's got one. On November 1st, Matt Burton can already start to negotiate with other clubs. And there's a big, big, big rumbling starting that the Dolphins are already starting to, hmm, pay attention to this quite, how should I say this, quite intently looking at what's happening down in Belmore. Tavita Bankai Jr., who's really, a lot of people, there's been a lot of rumblings that he's really not happy about this. That, that he is already looking to, to go up to, and, and become a flipper, if you know what I mean. That's good, huh? A flipper, right, Chadets? Anyway, so you've got him. Um, there's quite a few guys that, that really, you know, that you, know, that you just don't know where they're going to go. And then you look at the players, uh, even though he's come out and said that, uh, Kickow has said that he is, you know, Big Billy Kickow said that he is coming no matter what. Uh, that he knew that it was a team that was on the build, that he believes in Gus's vision. Rimani came out and said that he's still on board. But I think that we really need to pay attention to what happens the next few weeks. And I think a lot is going to be really telling in how they play against the Tigers uh, on Friday night. Because I think if that team just totally implodes, it's only going to get worse. Or does this team rally? Or does this team look at themselves and say, we're the only ones that can conduct traffic inside this shed? And I am really intrigued about this match to see. Because that is going to be a huge match for both clubs. Because both clubs are at the point of breaking. We already see that the cracks have already happened. They're already taken on water at Belmore. But the West Tigers, if they find a way to lose to Canterbury... It is probably the biggest loss of the season for them, and that might really be the swan song for Madge. So, huge matchup, like all matchups in the NRL, but it's going to be something to really monitor because I think it's only going to get worse at Canterbury uh, before it gets better. And and Gus is already saying he needs 18 months to fix everything, so who knows? Now, I want to talk about a story that we talked about last week about Kieran Foran actually signing on with the Gold Coast Titans. And I think why this is so important to remember is, you remember how I said, Shedheads, that a lot of players in that locker room were not excited that, that, that Kieran Foran had, was leaving. And Josh Schuster said that he wanted that 5'8 position next season, that he's ready. Uh, I think that he's going to have to drop quite a few stone pounds, whatever you want to say, for him to run that position. That being said, Kieran Foran is a lifeblood. He's a guy that should have never left Manly in the first place. And I think he's a, I think he's a, a major fish to be caught by the Gold Coast Titans, right? I think he's major right there. Um, but I think, and I'm wondering if two things aren't really contributing to a lot to that match that we saw that happened between the Broncos and, and the Seagulls. One is Turbo's not right. Tommy Turbo, no matter what he says, I think he came back early. He's hobbling around on the field. He doesn't look like he's confident in his body. And he was pretty much a no-show in that match. Pretty much a no-show. All right? So you wonder about Turbo's health and fitness. Because if he's not right, we know what happens to Manly a lot of times if Turbo's not right. And let's remember something. If he's not right, he shouldn't be on the field because he's going to hold his club back. Because clubs in the NRL are so smart now, they know when a guy's not good. And they'll kick it to him, they'll try to beat him down, and the rest is history. But the other major factor that I say is I think, and we know if you know sports well enough, you know if there's rumblings inside of a shed, if there is problems inside the locker room, that it manifests out on the field, right? It happens in all sport. It doesn't have to be rugby league, Aussie rules football. It happens in all sport. If players are disenchanted, they will show it, and that will show on their performance on the field. And I'm wondering, and we're going to know something, because if they come out and put a lackluster performance against the Eels this week, there is something brewing inside that shed. There's something happening behind the scenes at Manly that needs to be addressed. And, I, and, I, and I'm curious to see if it is, because if they do go, we'll know that that is something to do with Kieran Foran, and a lot more with that than it is Tommy Turbo. Now, I will say, when we, when we flip and look on the other side of the fence on this story and of this situation in this game, let's talk about the Broncos for a second because, wow, are they impressive. And, and if you're a Broncos fan, 
You came into the season hoping, okay, hopefully we're competitive. But you're right now so in, so dialed in and so in tune with this team because they are fun, man. And you guys know how much I'm a big fan of Gamble. And I'm so happy to see him in the six right now. But this team really has a strong chance, I think, to, to finish fifth or sixth. I don't think they'll finish in the top four. But I think they could finish fifth or sixth when it's all said and done, as long as they stay healthy, right? And they're fun. They've got young all-stars on that team that, that are just, I'm telling you, Cabo is impressive. Um, you know, you've like I told you earlier, Reynolds is playing with a freedom that we haven't seen. Even Benji Marshall mentioned that, that, that. He thinks that is the best game he's seen Adam Reynolds play for a long time this last weekend, right? But then you've got someone, Cabo. And Cabo, the, the strike that this kid's got, the speed that he's got, the pace that he's got... Um, I will say something that I didn't think I was going to say for a very, very long time. The Broncos have their swagger back. And it's crazy because we we came into this season not talking at all really about Queensland Rugby League. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry about that, Maroons fan. Queensland NRL clubs. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you. And right now, they might be the two clubs... You know, we'll throw the Titans in there if they can get themselves together. But the Cows and the Broncos are looking like two teams that could do some real damage this season in the in the in the NRL. And I'm really excited about it because I think the league only gets stronger if you have one really good NRL side that's up in, in Queensland. But if you have two, watch out, batting down the hatches. So awesome performance by the Brisbane Broncos. And very, 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 very trying times happen at Manly, I think, right now. Now, I want to stay in Queensland. I, maybe this should, maybe this should be uh, the Maroon special uh, episode, or, or or Queensland Queenslanders only. Wasn't that the name of the show back in the day? But uh, one of my favorite new players right now in the game is Jaden Campbell. Uh, Jaden Campbell looked like looks like he weighs about 112 pounds. Mrs. Shedadamas looks like she could probably throw Jaden Campbell around. Let me put it that way. And she's fit. Shedheads, Mrs. Shedadamas is fit. And I don't want to really call any of you out, but I wouldn't try to go toe-to-toe against Mrs. Shedadamas because she's going to ragdoll you. She's going to ragdoll you, and then she's going to probably try to hurt you with a smile on her face. She's dangerous. Let me just put it to you that way. Thank God that your Shedadamas is whitey. But besides that, let's go back to Jaden Campbell. He weighs 130 pounds, Okay. That's wet. And if it, and I'm going to say he might weigh 132 because those flowing locks touch, touching his shoulders. But Jaden Campbell, is a, he is straight excitement. And, and a couple of those runs he had out of the fullback position in the game against the, the Dragons this weekend was, it was, was straight electricity. I'm saying breaking tackles. And, and when you watch him run, he's kind of like Pappenhausen. You're thinking somebody's going to just freight train him, and then you're going to have to see an ambulance out on the field, right? But he doesn't. He looked for contact. He's not afraid of contact. He runs with passion. He runs with pace. Uh, and you can't catch him half the time. So he's almost like a, a, a deer that's kind of coming into his body. Uh, but he is, he is a fun, fun one to watch. Now, let's get past the point of how fun this kid is. What he does for the Titans, don't forget the Titans have been on a huge losing streak, okay? You put him back in the side, and all of a sudden what happens? The strike comes back. You know, they're getting the ball more at the 50 than they are just staying it back on their own end. The team changes because the strike in the spine expands. The club moves. He changes the, the I'm saying he had the assist on the on the on the uh golden point try. He's 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 a special special player, and and I think one of the cool things about it is no matter how much of upheaval the game is right now, with the bunker not knowing what it wants to do. Personally, I've got to tell you something. I want everyone to get calls right, but if the bunker would disappear, I think we'd all be happy because of all the stoppages. All right, not understanding what we want to do about high contact, all that stuff. All of it's it's causing me to almost have an aneurysm. But one thing we cannot change is that we've got some young stars that are right here, right now, and they're about ready to show themselves on this big stage. 
Uh, and we're going to talk about another one here when we get to the guns because one made it into that point. But I think that 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 the Titans are on the up. Uh, and I, do, I, I you know who's a bit most happy about this? It's not you and I, Shedheads. It's Justin Holbrook because he needs something from this team, and he needs it now if he wants a little bit of job security. Now, I try to stay positive. You know that, Shedheads. That's what we do here on Outside the Sheds. We try to, we, we'll call you out when it's time, but we try to stay positive. But after having his assault charges dropped last month, the MILF is back. Anthony Milford has been named in the side to start for the Newcastle Knights against his former club, the Brisbane Broncos. And I think this is really crazy because a lot of a lot of talk hasn't been about Anthony Milford. You know, we knew that he, you know, that his contract got torn up at South Sydney and he was gone and Newcastle picked him up and everything, but he's been quiet. And I, I know he's been very, very guarded after the, the, the circumstances that he's been in because of these possible assault charges and stuff, now that they've been dropped, whatever. But... Uh, Kalen Ponga said he's been coming around at Newcastle camp. And I will say this, I will say this from knowing athlete. And that is when an athlete's back is pushed against the wall, when he thinks that his career may possibly be almost over, if he gets that 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 lifeline, that olive branch to an extent, to continue, we could see some big things from Anthony Milford. Now, I don't know exactly how they're going to play him. But the one thing about the MILF is this. He's never been known as the greatest training player, all right? His physical fitness has been called into question quite a bit in his career. So I don't really know what that means. I don't know how this is going to affect him. But I do know that Anthony Milford is a special player when he's playing with love of the game and he's in shape. And I've seen some pictures of him and he looks okay. He looks like he's not in horrible shape, and he doesn't look like he's in the in peak, peak shape. But we know everything about rugby league. It takes a while for players to play into match fitness, and that's something. That's something. Even if he was in 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 rare form right now, we don't know, and he doesn't know until he gets out on the field and gets some play under his belt. So we're gonna see some stuff from him this weekend, I think. Uh, and I'm excited because he's going up against his former team, and I'm a big guy about about watching players take on former teammates and former teammates taking on former teams so we could get something special out of this game a lot more than a lot of us are expecting now we know with this game there's injuries but then there's always rebirth the phoenix right coming out of the flames and well here's the flames coming out of because we have some major additions of subtractions coming into this weekend starting off with mike acebo for the eels coming back from that acl tear he's actually returning this weekend for the Eels to the new uh, to, for the NSW Cup, New South Wales Cup, so it's good. That means if he has at least one to two good performances, we should see him back. Now, if he starts chucking guys and running people over, we could see him back on the side next week. So let's keep our fingers crossed, knock on some wood, and hopefully Mike Acevo is 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 seemed fit and he comes out striking and on fire in the New South Wales Cup this weekend. And Dane Gagai. For the Knights, we know how important Dane Gagai is for that side. He's back this week. Uh, he's returning from those facial fractures that he, that he had. Um, and, you know, again, another player taking on Brisbane. And we know that when these guys play for Brisbane, when they get a chance of playing against the Broncos again, they really show out and they really try to perform. Jerome Hughes, a, a huge out last weekend. And I'm not going to say it's the reason the Storm lost, but it definitely didn't help. But Hughes is back. Um, from that from that um, uh, calf injury that he had, strain, whatever you want to call it. But he is back on the side this weekend. Now, here come the omissions, and this is huge. And we know that the Inflictor, Victor, and we all know how big of a fan we are of Victor the Inflictor on Outside the Sheds. But but Victor Radley has got that, that injury that I don't even know. That, we didn't call it that even when I played sport. But he's got the syndesmosis injury. And it's going to be several weeks. So much so that this injury is so much in the air that they're already starting to talk that he possibly may not be available till maybe Origin 2 or 3. And that is not even saying. I would say maybe more Origin 2 because he's going to have to get back to match fitness and he's going to have to be playing well. So that is huge for both the Roosters and the Blues that the Inflictor is going to be out for the foreseeable future. 
And then Big Nelson, Asofa, Solomana. I can't, I just call him Big Nelson because I, it's a tongue twister for me to say the name. A, a very, it's dis, I'm very disrespectful in that way, but Big Nelson, let's say it that way. Um, that big freak, knee injury. And um, there's no timetable right now for how long he's going to be out. You know how important the knee is of the player that size. He's got to have stability because you don't need that big redwood falling over. Uh, because that's not a big force, and everyone would see him go down. So uh, that is huge to see Nelson go down like that. I know he's been in really in, in, in good good form this year, uh, and that's another key, key, key thing that is going down for uh, the Melbourne Storm. Speaking of the Melbourne Storm, you know what I do. We go to 40-20. We go on the mark. We want to leave with positive stories. That's what we want to leave those segments with. And we're leaving a segment this way. Because I've got to say, one of my favorite coaches to talk about and watch. The pause was for a little bit of build-up. Bellyache is back and staying inside the sheds. Yes, Craig Bellamy, it's finally come down. He signed a one-year extension. We know right now that it's only a one-year so far. But he will be back with the club next season as the head coach. His 21st season with the Melbourne Storm, uh, and we get another year of bellyache. Uh, the question is now, does that make Cameron Munster think about possibly trying to find a way to stay down there? Um, again, we still have no idea about Munster, but right now I know, I know for a fact that that has got to be something to build up those boys and gets everybody excited. And I think the whole rugby league world is excited because – we, there's not many coaches that coach anymore for 21 years with the club and especially does it with that type of success. Um, because right now you'd have to say he might be the GOAT of NRL coaches. So congratulations to the Storm and most and most importantly to Craig Bellamy. Bellyache, we've got you for another year. Now, let's go into the picks for this week. I think we saw, Shedheads, your Shed Adamas went 5 or 8. That's still going to get you paid. Still going to get uh, the misses a little cocktail or a brandy over the weekend. Uh, but let's go into the picks for this week. Thursday night, round 11 begins. Broncos versus the Knights. I, I just got done talking all Queensland for the last 20 minutes. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not getting off that wagon. I've got the Broncos over the Knights. Friday, Bulldogs versus the Tigers. Ding, 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 ding. Upset, upset. I've got the Bulldogs rallying the wagons turning them inward, looking each other in the eye, upsetting Madge's boys, the Tigers. Seagulls versus the Eels. I don't know why, because both these teams, to me, are so yo-yo right now, uh, but I still took Manly to beat the Eels. Saturday, Warriors versus the Dragons. I, you know, again, I, whenever the Warriors are in a match, you have no idea what you're going to experience or see, but I'm still going with, with Sean Johnson I'm hoping he starts running a little bit, but I'm taking the Warriors over the Dragons. Storm versus the Cowboys. This is, I don't want to even say this is an upset, but I think without Pappen, without Pappenhausen, and I think and Drinkwater is going to really want to show Melbourne what they lost by getting rid of him. I've got the Cowboys over the Storm up at Townsville. Panthers versus the Roosters. Again, I, I, another club that has a chance to show that they're going to be there when it's all said and done at the end. I'm taking the Roosters beating the Panthers at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Raiders versus the Rabbitohs. I'm going to go with the Green Machine. I think Ricky is that type of coach. Sticky, he can smack McInnes around as much as he wants, which to me might have been the highlight of the week. And I'm a huge McInnes fan, but Mick, Mick calls it upon himself. Classic left. That was a good smack. Good smack. But hey, maybe that means like like everyone says that uh, that 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 Sticky's got to smack uh, Mick before every match. But I think the Green Machine might be onto something, and I've got them beating the Bunnies. And then Sunday, Sharks versus the Titans. I'm really confused about this one. This one I was going back and forth with for a while, but I still think that the Sharks are the better club, and I think that loss last week is going to really add some fire to them to come out and to prove that they should be a top four side this this year. So I've got the Sharks over the Titans. Now let's go on to On the Mark. Yoshet Adamas, I told you he was on fire. Seven for nine last week on his picks. 
feeling really good about myself with the AFL, uh, even though this next round is going to be a tough one to pick. But uh, let's start off with what happened with these scores. Uh, Bulldogs 99, Magpies 51. Backs against the wall, the dogs come out biting. And if you know anything about a bulldog, don't let them, don't let them clamp down on your shoe because they's not letting go. So the dogs take care of the pies. Tigers 117, Hawks 94. Uh, I think this just shows you what a fully fit Tigers club could be like. Uh, they're, they're now in the eighth position. And I think as long as they stay healthy, you're going to continue to see them rise and climb. Power 115, Ruse 46. Four on the trot for the power. And just like the Tigers, I think that, that Port Adelaide is about ready to start uh, breaching, if you know what I mean. Saints 90, Cats 80. A seven-goal third period was pretty much the, the downfall for the Cats. We're going to talk about this match in a little bit. Um, but a huge, huge result, and, and it's good to see the Saints rebounding and playing well. Swans 105, Bombers 47. Uh, the Bloods cruising. And again, the Bombers... The Bombers are just, I, I don't even know what to say. It's its really sad, a club that has that much pride uh, that they just can't seem to find themselves. Lions 102, Crows 66. Charlie Cameron slotting four goals. And that just kind of leads, you know, the the, the, the downfall for, for those birds from Adelaide. Sun 69, Dockers 33. For me, the upset of the round, uh, the Dockers doing the un, really unthinkable because everyone was having them maybe being a real flag contender, but maybe that's why we called the Chold Coast because maybe our Chol and the Suns may be the team that's about ready to surprise the whole uh, Aussie rules football world. Blues 105, Giants 75. Um, the Blues spoiling uh, Cameron's farewell his last game. But I will say the Giants did try to fight, but this, I think it just could be one of those seasons for, for GWS. And then Demons 112, Eagles 38. The benchmark team of the competition continues to strive, continues to show that everything is probably going to go through D's country at the end of the season. Now, I want to go back to that match that I just talked about, about the Gold Coast Suns, because I had been picking Gold Coast and picking Gold Coast, and they've been letting me down this season. And then the one week I don't pick them, they go and do this. But that's two upsets in a row, back-to-back -back weeks. They beat the Swans uh, last week. They come in and, and upset the, the Dockers this week. But behind Choll's four goals, um, it was a statement game. I, I don't think you can say anything more than that. That victory for Gold Coast is a statement game. And, and I do think that this club is a dangerous club. And that's why I was picking them so much at the, at the beginning of the season, Shedheads, because I think there's something there's something percolating under the surface for the Gold Coast Suns, and I think they're going to do some damage this year. Um, but they beat a top-four side. And when was the last time we saw the Gold Coast Suns beating a top-four side? And beating them by 36 points, too. No one saw that. You know, every team loses a game they probably shouldn't lose by maybe a late kick uh, at the Siren. But 36 points means that they were there and they were playing and they believed they could win. And that's something we need to talk about here. Um, I think that's what it is. This, this turnaround has been because of stifling defense. They have been playing some shutdown defense, some in-your-face defense the Suns have in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, 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 it, and to me, a, a, an AFL side is is conducted out of that engine room. And to me, that engine room is the midfield. And right now, the co-captains, uh, Jared Witz, Tuke Miller, have been playing some, some incredible footy because they've been controlling the midfield. And if you control the midfield, you can, you can transition easily from defense to offense. And if you've got that, and I think that's the reason that a lot of people have talked so highly of Tuke Miller for so long, is because I think people knew what this young man could be. And I think he knew... And, and, you know, listen to something. I'm a big fan of, of Chole, and there was a reason that he left Richmond and went to the Suns. And he said that they would be contending. I think everybody laughed because we know maybe Or likes to talk a little bit. Uh, he's his own biggest fan. But I think he knew something was underneath the surface there. And, uh, you know, the great thing about this, and I don't think this takes anything away from Fremantle, because I think the Dockers still have the side that's still going to stay 
uh, in the top four or right around the top four, right? All season. But I think what this shows to me is that the Suns are coming. And we're going to talk in a few minutes here about the AFL this year. But this sets up, this victory for the Suns, and that victory last week uh, for the Dogs over the Pies set up a huge, huge, pivotal game that's coming up this weekend when we get to see the Suns go up against the Dogs. And, you know, it's, it's you know, there's some clubs sitting outside the eight right now that are right there on the cusp. And and usually there's some teams that are sitting there that were, are usually way in the top eight right now. So this, this season, which, like I said, we're getting ready to talk about, is something special. And I think we're getting ready to see some matches uh, every week that are going to really have some pivotal, pivotal, um, how should I say that, lasting effects going on later in the season. Now, the Suns' win might have been the upset of the round, but to me, the performance of the round goes to St. Kilda, the Saints. The Saints have had a horrible time recently trying to beat the Cats. Geelong has owned them. Um, and, and when you get team, you know, ask the Sharks, ask teams that sometimes get that hoodoo over them from another club, how hard it is to, to right that ship and to turn that around. And I'm going to tell you something. St. Kilda did it this weekend. They looked really good. Um, when they took on Geelong. And, and I think, to me, the thing that showed it, because it was a horrible, lackluster first half, okay? It just wasn't it just, it just just wasn't that exciting, right? Both of these teams made up for it in the second half because they turned into a prize fight where both teams stood toe-to-toe and exchanged blows, all right? And to me, what the impressive part about that was, for St. Kilda, they lost their captain, Jack Steele, and they lost... Jack Higgins in the second quarter. And a lot of times when a team loses their captain in one of their guns like that, you see them become unsteady. When they become unsteady, it usually lets a team like Geelong kind of rise and run over the top of them, right? Especially for a team that isn't used to beating another side like that, right? Because they're not used to to, to winning. So when you start losing two major key members of the club like that, it's tough, especially when one of those is, is your captain and the voice in the locker room, in the sheds. So that happens, and all of a sudden, St. Kilda, for some reason, a switch flips on. They kick, they kick seven goals in the third, and that pretty much was the match. They, they, they found some strike, and besides a few Patty Miller, uh, uh, yeah, Patty, Patty Miller, Patty Ryder uh, goals late to kind of hold off the Cats, St. Kilda did something they have not done since 2016, and that's gone over the top of the Cats. Now, the Saints, to me, are a very, very unique side because I think they have the strike, they have the temperament, and I think they have the team that actually could keep them in the top eight. But they've got to play that way. They've got to play with that 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 slow burn. They've got to play inside themselves. And they've got to play with a confidence that I don't know that St. Kilda plays with every week. If they can do that, I really feel, and I said at the beginning of the season, I thought they were going to make the top eight. And I think they still will if they play that way. But... But as I go into this this next story, and congratulations to St. Kilda, because I love to see a team who finally gets over the top. But the story that I told you I was going to talk about after I wanted to point out the great victory by St. Kilda was this 2022 AFL season. This season could go down as one of the most intense, evenly played series that we've had for quite a while. You know, I started looking at the at the at the at the bracket and, and the leaderboard. And you have eight points separating fifth place and 12th place right now. Eight points, right? That's that's incredible. And, and I know a lot of people think that eight points kind of it is a lot, but it's not. I'm saying when you're sitting in 12th place and you still see that you very much can get up into the top eight, that's got you playing every week with belief because you think that you can change things around. And with teams like Richmond, the Dogs, Port A, the Pies, and the Suns, all right there on the outside or in eighth place, I, I think if you look at that, you've Richmond is going up. Port Adelaide, four on the trot, they're going up. That leaves the Dogs, the Pies, and the Suns to really be those, those three teams that are going to have to fight it out. We're already going to see a little bit of, uh, um, of this same type of of, of, of match that we're going to see, I think, for the rest of the season when we see the match that's coming up on Friday when we've got the Suns against the Dogs. 
I think this match is really going to show the the, the the mental strength of the two teams because I think both coaches, Beveridge and the Suns, will be going into this thinking, okay, inside the sheds, we have a chance to show that we can do this. And it could be a four-point turnaround for whoever wins this match. So it it's going to be fun. Um, and I think when it's all said and done at the end of the season, there are going to be a couple teams that are on the outside looking in that are going to shock us. Uh, and I and I just have that feeling that it's going to be um, it's going to be some long nights for some players and some coaches when this thing is all said and done because I do think that there's going to be a huge major shakeup in this. Now, major shakeups, players, guns, Dustin Martin returning to Richmond. So far, you have to say that it it's impressive to say the least how Dusty's come back. Um, you know, we've talked multiple weeks about. The, the, the trials and tribulations that happen with, with loss of a family member, uh, especially when they're, they're, you're really, really close to him. And Dusty's come back. He's played great. Kicked five goals in his two matches. The, the club has picked up their performance uh, and have really gone out and, and shown that they are a true team to be, to be you know, that, that have a chance with those aspirations to, to win another flag. Um, so I have to tell you, it really caught me off guard when rumbling started coming out about Dustin Martin possibly finishing his career up in Sydney, we all know that Dusty has has spent a long time in Sydney. That he's got family up in Sydney. The Dusty, uh, when he when he has downtime or there's time that he can get away in the season, goes back to Sydney and likes to spend time there. Um, but I don't know. I you know if you remember a few years ago when when Dusty was looking at at re-signing with the Tigers, there was there was some major league uh, rumors that GWS was really pushing hard to get Dusty to come up to Sydney and and, and to, to you know to make the switch then. Um, but again, there's something special in Richmond, and Richmond took Dustin. They've stood beside Dustin through this whole time, and I guess because of that, I shouldn't be surprised when you hear Damian Hardwick. Uh, the coach of Richmond come out and say that whatever Dustin needs, we stand by him. And I, and I, you know, that almost caught me on the chin hearing that because you don't hear coaches often say to their key player that, okay, hey, if you want to leave us, leave us. We'll be okay. Uh, do what you have to do for yourself. But I think that shows you how different the Richmond team is and how important players' welfare, their mental state, also how much they respect Dustin uh, and, and want what's best for Dustin. Now, myself, I hope he stays at Richmond. I hope he finishes his his career as a one-club man. Uh, I think there's something special about staying a one-club uh, player uh, in today's day and age. I think he's been treated well. Uh, you know, the, the, the Swannies, who it looks like would be the team that, that would make the biggest... Uh, Biggest sense for Dustin to come there. Uh, the Swans have, have stayed very quiet. Um, they haven't said anything. Uh, that, that, that there's been no talk out of their camp about bringing Dustin up there. But, you know, Dustin Martin is 30 years old now. Which is crazy for me to say that Dustin Martin is 30. But if a move is going to happen, it's going to have to happen soon. I think his contract with Richmond is, is, is until 2024. Um, but, you know... What type of Dustin Martin do you have playing at Richmond, you know, I mean, excuse me, playing at the Swans at 32 years of age? Some players have been retired for four years at 32 years of age. So I think this is a a, a, a developing situation. I don't know how much of a situation it really is. But I think when you hear about a player that has been so important to a club like Dustin Martin is to the yellow and black, it's and, and, and how, how much love he has for that club how difficult it is for us to think that he might actually leave it. So I, and I just want to say no matter what he needs, if it, if it is to leave, um, you know, Melbourne and going up to Sydney to play for the Swans, I think we just want what's best for Dusty and we want him to be able to have fun and to enjoy the the game of footy that he's given so back to so much back to. So uh, whatever happens happens, but uh, definitely a story and a situation to keep our eyes on shedheads. Now, 
Shedheads, I gotta tell you something. This story right now, I almost wasn't gonna talk about it, but so many people in the AFL world is talking about it. I had to weigh in to let you know what your what your Shedadamas felt about it. And that is about this story that's coming out between the Swans and the Bombers over last weekend's match when co-captain Luke Parker allegedly ooh, mocked and taunted Dylan Sheely. And and I can't, I, I started sitting back going, are people really talking about this? Because Sheely, you know, Parker kicks a goal, goes back as he's getting water, sees Sheely and ooh, ooh, gives him that one, the shoulder shrug, ooh, with his fingers out in front, almost spirit fingers, right? Does it six times, okay? All right, you got your point across. Okay, you got your point across, Luke, you, you, you know. But here's my thing, shedheads. If you have never played sport, you won't understand this. If you've played sport, all of us should understand this. Taunting, bad language, and intimidation is something that happens in sports. Always. Always. And that is in just lower league levels. In the AFL, the NFL, the NRL, the NBA, these are alpha dogs. These are apex predators. And they're looking and smelling for any sign of weakness for their competitors. And if they smell that, they're going to double down on you for that. And if you are a player like Dylan Sheely that gets intimidated when somebody taunts you, you shouldn't be playing professional sport. You shouldn't be playing. Because two things should happen. Either you up your performance, go and kick some goals, and show on the field, okay, yeah, uh, here's what I think about your shoulder shrug. Or you do this, and and I'm and pardon my language, Shedheads, but I'm going to say it how it is. You knock Luke Parker on his ass. You lay him out. And guess what? If you give up a free kick, you give up a free kick. But you steamroll him. And if you don't do it, one of your teammates should do it. To let him say, ah, that, that isn't allowed here. Mate, this is that this, no, you're not doing that. But for for people to be sitting around desks and and people and up in arms because there was a little oh my god, there was a little taunting on the field. Get a grip. Get a grip. That's half the reason we love sport is to see how people come back from adversity. How they how they react to adversity. This is not this is not sitting down and playing cards at the table. This is competitive sport, physical competitive sport. And if that, if you can't handle that, you need to get the F out of there. That's how much I mean about it. I actually dropped an F on this show. You got to get the F out of there. But come on, let's get serious here. Luke Parker, don't apologize to anybody. Don't apologize to anybody. Because you do what you have to do. And if you have to get in somebody's head, you get in somebody's head. But here's the thing. You have to deal with the consequences. But you shouldn't have to deal with the consequences for some some guys in suits or some talking heads off the field saying, I can't believe he did that. I would be so... Shut up. Get a grip. So that's my feeling on it. A story I didn't even want to address, but I, I couldn't believe it was even a story. So Luke Parker, you be you. And Swans, kick the bombers around some more if you want. All right, let's go into round 10. Let's go into the picks. You already know that I was 7 for 9 last week. More padding on the back. But we've got some incredible matchups. Friday night, Swans versus the Blues. I've got the Blues beating the Bloods after I just got in talking five minutes about Luke Parker. Then Power versus the Cats. I think it's after we're all said and done with this, it's going to be five on the trot. I got the Power over the Cats. Suns versus the Bulldogs. Whew. I'm taking the Suns. On paper right here, I had this I had the Bulldogs. I'm taking the Suns. I'm I'm all in. I think that better midfield. Yep, I'm taking I'm taking the Suns. Saturday, Demons versus the Ruse. Do I even have to say that, man? What? Demons. Saints versus the Crows. I think the Saints found something. And this is the time we have to see if the Saints can put down a team that they should beat. I've got St. Kilda. Bombers versus the Tigers. Okay, can we move on? Tigers. Eagles versus the Giants. Boy, 
how bad the Eagles are, we try not to say their name on this show right now, but we have to when we're picking. I got the Giants going over the top. Sunday, Lions versus the Hawks. Again, definitely one of the top two teams to me in the competition. I've got the Lions over Hawthorne. And then finally, Magpies versus the Doctors. I do think Fremantle is a top four side. And I think to prove they're a top four side, they will handle Collingwood this weekend to finish the round. Now, let's go to the guns. Something I love to do and talk about. Maybe our Chol. That's right. Did you hear that, that, that passion I said that with? Chol, my number one gun. Four goals, two behinds, ten disposals, eight kicks, two handballs, four marks, four tries. And what does that say? I got 200 and something. Uh, yeah, we got, oh, excuse me, 200, two hitouts and 261 meters gained. Look at that. Look at that little bit of on-air disturbance right there. Thank God for my handwriting. Uh, number two, Selwyn Cabo, the young gun, the, the, the flyer for the Brisbane Broncos. Three tries, 203 running meters, three tackle breaks, one tackle made, and one interception in that game, uh, in their victory over Manly. And then finally, I told you when I was talking about Jaden Campbell, the game is in good hands with a lot of the youth coming up. Joseph Suwali, two tries, 155 running meters, two line breaks, four tackle breaks, four five tackles made in the Roosters' victory over the Parramatta Eels. So really good. If you look at that, that list I just said, all really young guns for both sports, Really, really exciting. Congratulations, gentlemen. Now, outside the bubble, you know your Shedadamus is wrapped up in a lot of things. A lot of things. But tonight is the beginning of something that I hold very dear to me. It's a rivalry that means the world to me. It's one of my favorite rivalries in any sport. It begins tonight, Shedheads. The Frozen Pond. The Battle of Alberta begins in a matter of hours. The Edmonton Oilers versus the Calgary Flames. Game one in Calgary. If you don't know anything about the Battle of Alberta, you need to educate yourself, Shedheads. The Battle of Alberta. Uh, I, I just read a book recently about it. That's how big it is. Um, it is maybe the team of the 80s. Well, easily the team of the 80s. The Edmonton Oilers uh, under Wayne Gretzky. Uh, some of the greatest. Yari Curry, Asa Tikkanen. Glenn Anderson, Craig McTavish, uh, Charlie Huddy, and the great Coco, Grant Fuhrer himself, against the Al McKinnises, the, the Calgary Flames. Um, just some of the most epic hockey games I saw in my entire life. Um, it was just a special time. Now, both of these teams fell into hard times. I would say the mid-90s on up. Uh, they got better for the Flames when Jerome McGinley was there. They actually played for the Cup, didn't win it. Uh, and then the, then the Oilers kind of picked up, I'd say, in the late 2000s when they had their run and they lost the Stanley Cup against the Carolina Hurricanes, which we don't like to talk about because I love that Oilers team. But this series, the Battle of Alberta is straight hate. It's, 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 it's something that could just be something we talk about forever. One of the incredible things about it is both these teams have never met in the playoffs before. And so, even more reason to, to really embrace this. It's an 8.30 face-off, uh, Central Daylight Time. Uh, and I will tell you right now where your Shedadamas will be. And that is watching this incredible match that is getting ready to take place. So, uh, I had to talk about it. I've got a lot of the pundits, a lot of people on paper are picking Calgary to win the series. But I've got the Edmonton Oilers winning this thing in six games. I think McDavid, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, I, I think those guys, what do I always say? All-stars rise to the top. And Evander Kane, I think, is a key co co you know, component in this cog that's going to help the Oilers get over the top. But it is here's the problem with this. This series could be so physical and rough that the winner of it may not have anything left for the playoffs. That's, that's the chance uh, that they have playing this series. So get ready for it. If you have a chance, if you've never watched a, a Battle of Alberta game, this is the time to do it. Get ready. The face-off is, my gosh, getting close to an hour away. And then finally, the NBA Finals has started. 
as we continue to talk outside the bubble. I was so excited about talking about the Battle of Alberta, I didn't even say, oh, here comes outside the bubble. The NBA Finals have started. Uh, last night, the the Heatles, as I call them, the Miami Heat, won game one over the Boston Celtics, 118-107. Uh, behind Big Face Coffee himself, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler with 41. And you know me, I'm a big fan of Buckets. Uh, but Jimmy Butler getting the, the game one victory, looking to me like the team no one's talking about winning this whole thing, but I think a team that very much has a swagger and a confidence about them where they think that they're playing with house money. And I'm just wondering, a lot of people downplayed it, but I'm just wondering how much of a letdown the Celtics are feeling after that war they were in against the Milwaukee Bucks. So anyway, game one is done. Heat are already up. And then tonight begins the series that I'm paying attention to, the dubs, the Golden State Warriors taking on the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, A lot of people are saying the Mavericks are easily, uh, have the best player on the court with Luka Doncic. Luka's been playing some incredible basketball. He's playing with confidence. Uh, He's playing like the player that a lot of people thought he was going to be. He's back into shape again. Uh, He almost single-handedly dismantled the Phoenix Suns. But here's my thing. I think people are downplaying how great the Golden State Warriors are. And how big and how much of a difference playoff experience means. And the GWS, those Golden State Warriors, they are... They are going to be the team to me that I think win it. I think they win this series in five games. I think Clay is playing incredible. Uh, I think Steph understands what it's like. These are big game players. And then Draymond, I, I just really feel that Golden State is going to use this series to just spring them full force into the NBA Finals and then play it out. I'm going to say it's going to be a, a Warriors versus Heat Final. And I can't wait to see something like that. So we got a lot of games left before that time happens. That's my prediction. Looking forward to it. That being said, Shedheads, I have kept you intrigued and and just covered up with greatness for this last however long we've been here on this episode of Outside the Sheds. But Shedheads, embrace the games this weekend. We've got some incredible games all around the sporting world. Uh... I can't, I can't really tell you how excited I am about this this week coming up uh, of sports for me and sports that I'm interested in watching. But that being said, I'm calling this episode to a close. Uh, until next week, again, please stay out of trouble uh, or don't get caught, as I always say, but look after each other. I, I just This world gets so confusing with people just, just spouting hate. Try to love somebody for once, okay? It's okay to smile at people. But try to do it, okay, Shedheads? Do it for your Shed Adamas. If you do that for your Shed Adamas, I promise to keep picking some winners for you. But that being said, until next week, Shedheads, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 